This radio program is PG-13. Parents strongly caution some material may be inappropriate for children under the age of 13. Set me Jesus' mission was to comfort those who mourn, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to captives, and open prison doors for those who are bound. For those who want more than status quo Christianity has to offer, Blazing Grace Radio begins now. And here is your host, Mike Janung. Hey, Mike Janung here, and welcome back to Blazing Grace Radio. Glad to have you along. I'm coming to you from Phoenix, Arizona, we got a 100-degree weather back, nice and warm, sunny days. And uh, when I moved here to Arizona a couple years ago from Colorado, I discovered that 90 is now the new 70 for us. So (laughs) glad to have you along. So a year ago, I started emailing a little bit with a woman from Peru down in South America, and she was telling me some of the stories of what she was encountering down there in the church with sexual issues. And as you know, on this broadcast, we talk very very open about sexual issues in the church and pornography and, and those type of things. So she's back in the U.S. now after a 14-month stay down in Peru. And I have her on the line with us today. And so, Constancia, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. God bless you. Thank you. So I just want to open up and have you talk about the church you were ministering down there and what kind of things you were seeing. Okay. Well, um, we were in northern coastal Peru in a small uh, non-denominational church, about I guess, like maybe 60 people, roughly 60 faithful people and people that came in and out. And um, I knew some of what was going on before we actually, you know, moved down there. Um, it didn't take too long before we started uncovering this, all this stuff that blew our minds. And um, I have to say, too, my, my husband was in the military for over 25 years. And, you know, obviously being in the military, he got exposed to some stuff, but even he was shocked. So when the army guy says, whoa, this is like crazy that, you know, you really ought to pay attention. Mm. But um, I guess the first thing is that um, there's, there's not too much of a, I can't say there's no respect for it, but surprisingly there's, there's not enough focus on, on getting married in the church. Um, We found out that most of our members were not actually married. They were just, living together. And so um, we had this goal of talking to people and getting them to actually get married. And I think four couples ended up getting married, which is good. But then um, as I started talking to women just about their lives and visiting, and as they became more comfortable with me, they would open up and tell me stuff. And I would say probably maybe 80% of the women's husbands or boyfriends, however you want to consider them, had cheated on them. Mm. Um, there's a whole lot of adultery going on. 
and um, and that people aren't probably as ashamed of it as they should be. Um, the the couple the couple instances we know where the pastor did get involved, it was more of a well, you can't do that. You're a Christian, or you know, you know, we don't want people to find out. There wasn't enough. There wasn't enough delving into okay, what's going on, and with this person spiritually, why don't why did they feel like this is okay? Why do they have that need? So even when um, the pastors um, dealt with it, it just wasn't. It didn't seem to be dealt with as thoroughly as we maybe thought it should have been dealt with. Um, One of the most telling things um, was one of the with one of the couples in church. The lady had had her. Um, her 13-year-old sister and her mom come stay with them for a while. And uh, the husband, who, you know, they all lived in the same house together, the husband ended up molesting this 13-year-old and getting her pregnant. And she had an abortion. Now, for us, that was horrific. Um, but that guy, he was allowed to continue in the church. And I know it's kind of a it's a it's a delicate situation because I know that pastors have to balance grace and maybe discipline or whatever. But this guy was allowed not only to just stay on in churches so nothing happened, but he actually was in a position of leadership. He was put in after that. Um, he was on the board and did everything, led singing, led the services. So we felt like that kind of was sending the the message, boy, if you do the unthinkable, you know, it, it's still okay. No one will talk about it, but the whole church knew about it. And, you know, we felt like that kind of hurt. Um, it, it hurts the church's image. You know, I think that it could be even a big turnoff for unbelievers. Mm. Um, there were um, just, a, there's a lot of sin in the church, um, sexual sin or whatever happening, like even on church grounds, they had a, a guy that was, um, kind of like a one of the musicians was like a night watchman and he would bring girls all the time to the church and he was married oh. you know so that that thing got winked at um you know I, that there's a lot of stuff in the church that happened and then um outside of the church just in the culture itself you know you'll still go to places like you know to get your car worked on or a shop or whatever and they still have kind of those uh I guess somewhere between R and X rated posters up, you know, no one really says anything about it. Um, when you go to the major shopping areas, there are a lot of, um, I guess they're called sex shops. I don't, I don't know how you translate it, but, um, date houses, sex shops, whatever. And, um, they would have women just right out there where everybody's going to and fro handing out cards, handing out cards. Sometimes they'd hand them out to a guy even if he was with his wife um, or with a, a woman, sometimes they would, you know, let the ones that were <clears throat> accompanied by someone pass on by. But <clears throat> that was a big deal. And also in the area, there was a brothel that um, supposedly had girls, like young girls in it, ch- children, basically. And um, there didn't seem to be, we seemed to be the only people that were freaked out by it. So... Wow, so I, I'm taking it that this is the culture there, basically, at large. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, um, it's, I think the overall, the 
the overall vibe we got was that, you know, that this is how it is. That's how guys are. That's how men are. Um, you know, I would even hear people say, well, you know, as, you know, I know he cheated, but, you know, as long as he comes home every night, you know, as long as my kids have something to eat, as long as I got a house to stay in. So, um, the women didn't even make too many waves about it. And I think that kind of allowed it to be perpetuated. And um, my husband worked um, at a, in a shop where it was mostly men or all men actually. And he was just floored about how, how loose, how, how free they were to joke about adultery and cheating and things like that. And knowing my husband makes a big deal to advertise that he's married, that he's a Christian, that he's happily married and all that. And everybody at the shop knew that he was a missionary and everything, but still they, you know, they joke with him and they say, Hey, you know, we're going to get together. We're going to, you know, have some women over. We're going to have some wild women. Do you want to come? And, you know, he found it offensive that they would joke like that, but it was just, it was just part of the culture. So So are women, sort of treated like second-class citizens, even in the church? Um, I thought they were. Um, my husband certainly thought they were. Um, yeah. There's there's not a lot of regard for um, what women want to do, what women should be, um, should should be, what they should re- receive as, as part of a marital unit. Um, you know, we feel like both parties should be <clears throat> respected. Both parties should be um, should have a, a partner who is faithful. But you know, they they felt like you know the women should you know kind of mind their business and just be good wives, and they could go on and do whatever they wanted to. Mm. So yeah. Well, that's not far from what we hear here in the states, where we hear wives who come to us and. They've gone to a church for help, and they hear things like, well, your husband's porn addiction is your fault because if you weren't giving him more sex or whatever it was, he wouldn't have this problem. Right, right. So you being there for 14 months, how did you counsel the people? How did you respond? How did how did you react? <laughs> Well, the ones that we were able to counsel with, um, we took the, the very viewpoint that I just mentioned, um, that both parties deserve sex. So um, we, you know, we first would talk about how both the man and the women were children of God. You know, if they were believers and everything, that, you know, of course, that's going to be a great platform to start with, and that both parties deserve faithfulness from the other um we we focus on you know whatever you pray for her you know to do you're going to do it too you know and vice versa so we tried to have it so that um that both were coming to a platform that was christ-like so you know if one of them's complaining you know let's, let's just just say that you know that someone had the the feeling that, oh, my wife complains too much and that's why I'm gone with, you know, someone else. Okay, it's not good for anyone to complain. So we're both going to not complain. And how are we going to work it out when we have a problem? How are we going to, 
you know, go to each other and address things that are hurtful or whatever. So that was what we did. We tried to um, make sure that both parties were just being as Christ-like as they could. And um, we, you know, we made sure that, you know, we were accountable with them. Um, You know, we touched base with them. We gave them small snippets of things to, to change in their life, you know, during the week. And we always checked back with them, you know, later on. We had um, two couples, one where the lady had already left and another one where they were about to split up. So two marriages that um, we were able to help save. Um, And we hope hope that everyone's minds and hearts are more aligned with Christ because that's the whole goal. Um, You know, obviously, if you can't align your heart with Christ, you can't leave the sinfulness and the hurtfulness that's going on with your marriage. And how did the men respond to having to do away with adultery, basically? Um, I I think they responded okay. Um, we did get into, we did, and to a, a, to a greater extent, the pastor of that church, did get into talking about, you know, sex sex with them. And so we would talk about, you know, the fact that it is a true physical need, you know, that both people need to try to meet for the other one, meet, you know, to, you know to, so that each person is satisfied and everything. And we also try to um, have them stop committing harmful behaviors that were a turnoff to the other person. Because if someone's yelling, being abusive, hitting, flirting in front of them, any kind of respectful thing like disrespectful thing like that, it's going to kind of lead towards, you know, the person that's suffering from that, not having any sort of physical attraction. So we did try to be very holistic in our endeavors. And by doing that and the guy saying, hey, that maybe there's something in this for me, you know, maybe if I can... um, have sex within my own marriage and have it pretty consistently, you know, then maybe I can stay away from other people. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously time will tell, but um, the ones that we were able to deal with responded fairly positively. They were pretty hopeful anyway. And we're, we're in our fifties. And so um, I think that, you know, it's probably kind of easy for them to believe us because, you know, we've, Obviously, when you're 50, you've been around the block a few times, and so they did. You know, they did seem to 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 listen. Um, my husband thought that with the men, because I specifically asked him, you know, in reference to this program today, and he said he thought the most, the worst part about the whole thing was <clears throat> there was a great disregard for marriage in general, and then once marriage happened, there still was a disregard. So, you know, the fact that most of the couples are just living together, that's obviously a disregard for God's order. But um, he felt like once marriage happened, it just did not seem to be all that important to them. It's just like, yeah, you know, we, you know, we, we, we did that for legal reasons or because she wanted to, but I'm still going to kind of do what I want to do. So mm-hmm. that's, that's what we saw happening a lot. Well, in the U.S., a survey came out about, a, I think, a year or two ago where 50% of 
Christians see nothing wrong with premarital sex, so we're not far from that at all. In fact, we may, mm-hmm. we may be there at the same level. Mm-hmm. Um, me, if I'm a pastor and I know everybody's committing adultery or living together, I'd be like, hey, <laughs> this isn't working here, and we need to talk openly about this. So did, did you see that from the pulpits? Yeah, yeah. He did talk about it quite a bit, and um, we actually worked together to try and get people to go ahead and what he called legitimize their relationship. And we, you know, we did have some success. Um, you know, obviously we have to pray that the behaviors fall in line too, and that those marriages are, are, are lasting. Um, we did, you know, we did talk about, I, I guess there's this kind of a different view of marriage, um, and we, we did talk about, you know, there might, maybe there's a place in the world where, you know, they don't have such ceremonies. You know, they just like whoever lands in the same tent, that's your, that's your mate or whatever. But, you know, in this culture, we do have those ceremonies. In this culture, we do have like a right of, a, a right, you know, a ceremony that, that makes marriage a thing. You know, it's not, it's not like back in slave days when people jumped over the broom. You know, for them, that was their legitimization of marriage. But, you know, in modern-day Peru, um, you know, you have a, a time where you go before the judge and you go before witnesses and you basically, you know, have your vows to get married. And so since that, that vehicle is put in place for us, you know, in this culture, we need to honor it as such and not just, you know, you know, not just get a house together and say, okay, we're, we're husband and wife. And that was another thing too. Um, everybody would use the term, that's my husband, that's my wife. And then later on, we'd find out that they weren't married. So even the terminology was very loose. Mm. You being down there as a light in that situation, did you experience much in the way of spiritual warfare? Um, yeah, we did. Um, but... I mean, we think that's to be expected. You know, it seems like when you're at your highest points or you're, you know, finally moving into what God wants you to do or whatever, that's when Satan wants to, like, hit you back in the back of the knees and bring you down or whatever. So, yeah, we did we did experience some of it. But we had great support. Um, our pastor back here in the United States uh, was a great, great support for us. Our son-in-law is a pastor he was a great support for us. Um, and there was another missionary couple a little bit older than us that was down there, and they were a great support, too. So, um, you know, we, we got to, you know, express things to them and, you know, not only have their prayers for us, but have their words of wisdom. So that really, really, really helped us. Mm. Talk about prayer and how important that is for what you were doing down there. Um, prayer is super, super important. That's one thing that my husband always brought up every time he counseled with someone and he would check back with the men. Um, there are a lot of people that like they have a, a prayer life by themselves before they go to sleep, they'll pray. Um, maybe, maybe, you know, saying thank you at the dinner table, maybe in the morning they will, but it, it was surprising how many couples in fact, I think everyone that we counseled with said that they never prayed together other than grace at the table at dinner time. And so my husband would always emphasize, you have to pray together. And he would put it on the man. He would say, 
and you need to be the leader, not her saying, come on, let's play, pray all the time. You know, this is like your job as the priest and the head of the household for you to lead in this way. You know, you feel like you're completing your role as leader just because you bring money home and, you know, you guys bought a house or whatever. But your real true role as a leader is spiritual. And if you're not leading your wife and your kids in prayer, there's a big gaping hole in your in your performance. And so, um, you know, we would obviously we would model that, you know, when we worked with them because we would start start with prayer and then end with it. But um, you know, we did have to we had to push that and it is so, so, so crucial. And another thing that, that I would emphasize to the women was don't say anything negative about his prayers mm. because guys are already sometimes hesitant. They may feel embarrassed. They may feel that the wife is the one that's more spiritual. Um, and so they might be embarrassed or feel awkward or it might just be something really new to them to pray. And you don't want to say, well, you have to say in the name of the presence and the Holy Spirit, I'm in at the end or you have to close your eyes or you have to open your eyes or you have to be more loud. I, I think as women, you know, we have this needling thing that we do, you know, and sometimes it carries over into spirituality even. But, you know, that's something that I could, you know, emphasize to the women, whatever he is doing, you know, if his prayer starting out is just five minutes at the end of the night, thank God for that. Tell him you appreciate it. You know, tell them you look forward to, you know, pat him on the back. And, you know, some people might feel like, oh, well, he's a grown man. He shouldn't have, he shouldn't need that. But we all have, you know, a need to feel that what we're doing is, is good enough. And so I think as wives, you know, if we can come behind our husband and say, hey, I appreciate, you know, how you're doing this, or I appreciate you leading me in prayer or whatever. So, yes, it's really, really, really super important. And we did include that you know, as part of the package towards renewal for those couples. Mm. Wow, this is all good. I'm enjoying just listening to you. (laughs) So you said, I think we got a couple minutes left. You said you had to push prayer on them. Why is that? Oh, just like I said, it's just, um, it was not part of, it wasn't part of their culture. Now, I don't know. We didn't live in the whole country, and there's so many different little cultures within uh, Peru. So I don't know if it was everywhere or just where we were. But the couples were not accustomed to entering into prayer together. Even 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 people that prayed on their own, they were not used to doing it together, and they didn't understand the power of two, you know, of a husband and wife praying together. So, you know, I think that just being made aware, look, this is like a tool for us as Christians. This is a like some of the some of the greatest power that a marriage can have is both of you coming together. Any two believers coming together in prayer is powerful. We know that from scripture. But when it's a husband and wife, man, that's golden. And our children need to see that example as well. Mm. Boy, I couldn't agree more. Did did you see them praying much during their church services? Um, yeah, and I think we probably could have done a little bit better on that. But yeah, there was prayer, and you know, obviously, prayer opening up. 
um, a prayer before the collection, prayer at the end. There may have been a special prayer in the middle or something. Um, we did towards the end start to do like a kind of like little prayer retreat. We'd go up to the desert and spend, I think the shortest one we did was like two hours, anywhere from two hours to two days and do kind of like a prayer ritual. And I know that they're still doing that. So that's, um, that's really good. We bring, so not only bringing couples together, but bringing the whole church together specifically for prayer. Mm. Wow. I love it. And I like going to the desert here too. And, Arizona to have time with the Lord, so I'm right with you there. Yeah. So, Constancia, I want to thank you for joining this. This has been great. I've loved everything you've had to say. Well, thank you. So thank you for joining us, and we'll talk to you next time. You're welcome. God bless you in the ministry. Do you want to be free? Blazing Grace is a nonprofit international ministry for the sexually broken and the spouse. Please visit us at blazinggrace.org for information on Mike Janung's books, groups, counseling, or to have Mike speak at your organization. You can email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call our office in Chandler, Arizona at 719-888-5144. Again, visit us at blazinggrace.org. Email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call the office at 719-888-5144.